Welcome to episode six of the Cake Watch podcast with me, Chris Kendall. I am a European official here in a strictly personal capacity, Steve. And me, Steve Bullock, uh, an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU, and I've also worked at the Commission, and I am also here in a strictly personal capacity. That, that covers that. Disclaimer's done. Disclaimer armour. Let's dive straight into some follow-up. We have not yet finished with um, the disappearing down the rabbit hole of international cakeism. It'll never end. This week, um, Steve, um, Jonathan Church has uh, contacted us to tell us how cakeism looks in the language of maths. A language I do not speak. <laughs> not one of my strongest languages either, I've got to be honest. I used to be in charge of financial allocations and I'm barely numerate. Don't even, just, just not even go there. <laughs> So have your cake and eat it in the language of maths. X minus X equals X. Or uh, 2X equals X. Or 2 equals 1. Or 1 plus 1 equals 1. Um, and he says, and, which somehow doesn't look right. Which I, I don't think any of this looks right. <laughs> it doesn't look right. But Especially then, the ones with letters instead of numbers. That's where yeah. math went wrong for me, is when yeah, they started I mean, replacing numbers with letters. I was like, how can, you, how can A plus B be anything? <laughs> they don't have numerical values in the way that numbers do. <laughs> yeah, so... So it's just gobbledygook. Um, no, but I, do, I like the, the X minus X equals X. Yeah. Repeat, repeat on infinite loop. Yeah, yeah. And that's perfect, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah go... Yeah. 10, X minus X... <laughs> 20, go to 10. Oh, good times. That was a bit of basic there. Yeah, do you remember going into WH Smith and, and, and programming that into the ZX Spectrums that they had on display and leaving them <laughs> and watching the staff just go, oh, what do I do? <laughs> so it turns out we're geeks in every respect, not just breakfast, right? Good times, Steve, good times. <laughs> yeah, good times. Yeah. Um, uh, next bit of follow-up. Um, uh, also about the international language of cakeism, Steve. Well, this is, about, this is about the international spread of the word cakeism. So last week we were very pleased that it appeared in Hansard. Um, we're deeply, deeply pleased about that. Um, and this week we found out that uh, both Politico and Prospect were running articles coincidentally covering the same territory as Cake Watch on the international language of cakeism. Yeah, I wonder where they got the idea. I know. Normally they're, normally, normally they're very good with the scoops, you know, but they missed this one by some distance. Well, a couple of days. Great, great minds. <laughs> yeah. Right, we should dive in. Well, tell us why this week is a special week, um, Steve. Yeah, this week's a different week. We're going to do something a little bit... Uh, we're going to do something we haven't done before. Um, Chris and I, I both go to something called the EU Tweet-Up, uh, which is when uh, people in Brussels, well, not just in Brussels, actually, but people who tweet on EU matters and related stuff, uh, every so, every so often, every every couple of months, uh, meet up for a drink in real life. So it was quite a big one this this uh, this month. So we decided, with lots of uh, lots of movers and shakers, movers and shakers of the Brussels capital bubble, 
So uh, we thought we'd take along a, a handy pocket recorder and uh, ask, them, ask them a few questions. Uh, uh, Chris, you came up with questions. Yeah, before we go there, was this an excuse, Steve, for you to go out and buy some new technology? No, I was, I was, I was actually, I did consider it, obviously. But I did some tests on the old mobile recorder I had, and it was, it was fine, unfortunately. So I couldn't go out and buy a new one. Very disappointing. <laughs> Very disappointing. <laughs> I know. But we asked everybody three questions. We asked everybody we could everybody we could talk to three questions. And we got some really interesting interesting replies. So we're gonna we're gonna play a few of them for you. Yeah. Um and, and have a bit of a, a chat about them. And if we've got time we'll play we'll play the other ones as well. Uh, so uh, we're on location with Cakewatch here at the uh, hashtag EU tweetup, which is when all the tweeters on the EU in Brussels uh, meet up IRL, as the kids say. And uh, we've got who we've we got with us. We've got uh, at John Worth. At John Worth, spelled <laughs> at John Worth. Um, so we've got the three questions that we're going to ask everybody tonight. Chris, uh, we're going to ask you what's your favourite cake. We're going to ask you, what's your favourite example of cakeism? And we're going to ask you, marks out of 10, how likely do you think it is that Brexit will happen? So that's, that's, that's a percentage probability, essentially. Right. Okay. Yeah. Out of 10 or out of 100? Okay. So, so my favourite cake. cake is a French cake called a millefeuille, which means a thousand layers, which is perfect as an analogy for Brexit, i.e. when you peel back the first layer, you find even more shit underneath. It, 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 it is, although this is not going to help uh, the view of, of Remainers as uh, the Liberal elite, is it? Um, <laughs> probably not, but it was important in, in, during my childhood when I was learning French in France, so that's why I like my millefeuille. Brilliant. And your favourite example of cakeism? The, having cake and eat it, the best has got to be the Northern Ireland border, essentially. Sorry to be boring. No, no. But uh, essentially, you can't see any more of this determination to try to have a hard Brexit while promising uh, a, a frictionless border in Northern Ireland. That's the most ridiculous of all of the have cake and eat it options. Yeah, unicorns carried by drones. Yes. Yeah. Chris? Uh, jo- uh, so, okay, John. Um, One out of ten. How likely is it that Brexit's going to happen, with 10 being the most likely? Uh, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10. Yes! Uh, Brexit is going to end up being delayed and really messy first. You're not going to have a nice, clear and simple answer. It's all going to be a mess 6 to 12 months from now, and eventually in a new referendum in 2020 or 2021, Britain will vote to stay. Okay, interesting. Okay, we have a next uh, next victim uh, for Cake Watch. The celebrity victim. I'm Brussels Geek, <laughs> also known as Jen Baker. Jen, what's your favourite cake? Uh, my favourite cake is a lemon drizzle cake. Oh, nice. Which is, yes. which is nice. yeah, yes. it's the only example of trickle down that actually works. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, so, yeah. Right. Uh, this is a tricky one. Your favourite example of cakeism? Uh, I feel it's that the very good Irish barn brack is not treated as a cake. Oh, okay. Interesting. Is that like a sort of cake kind of controversy? uh, It's seen as more of a bread substance. Is that in line line with the regulations? Well, it depends which side it's buttered on. (laughs) 
I have no route. I have no comeback. I have no comeback. No, Steve. And, and, and the last question. Uh, and the, the, the last question. Uh, what are the chances out of ten? I, we should, this is wrong. We should have done percentage chance. But there we go. What are the chances out of ten of Brexit happening? With ten definitely happening, and one uh, definitely not happening. Six and three quarters. Good answer. Yeah. Really? Um, I mean. No, that's a good answer. Sixty-seven point five. That, but that, that is just based over two thirds. That is based on my understanding of what Brexit is, which is clearly not the same as anyone else's on the planet's understanding <laughs> what Brexit is, because we are all unique individuals. Yes, we are all individuals, and uh, so I'm not. yes, <laughs> and neither is my wife. Um, but. Yeah, so I, I think what you think of as Brexit varies from person to person. Whether it's the Brexit we have today, whether it's the Brexit that we'll be come up with in 20 years' time. Well, Some... So what are you saying the will of the people is not so much the will of the people as the will of the individuals? Uh, Aggre aggregated through entirely a vote. Through a boat. <laughs> Collective will is very difficult to pin down. And, oh, we're uh, getting here. The, and, and, and the current British government has singularly failed to pin down any definition of the public will. So here we are with another one of the guests here at this EU tweet up. So, sir, would you mind telling us what your favourite cake is? I can't think of a cake, so I'll say mochi. It's a Japanese uh, sweet dessert. Ah. Yes, I suppose. Ah, yeah. Well, that sounds terrific. Um, not very Brexity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very sticky. It's yes. A, oh, so that is quite Brexity. Feeling that you can't really tell from the oh. outside. What's Very Brexit. You can't tell what it actually means. <laughs> you, you, you can only tell that it's sticky from the outside. Is it going to give you indigestion? Sometimes, maybe for some people, yes. <laughs> I see. Quite Brexit. Uh, what is your favorite example? What is your favorite example of cakeism? Um, well, I can borrow from uh, former MAP Daniel Combendi, and he gave a good speech about uh, well using using the French corresponding expression of cakeism, which you have already mentioned in your previous episodes. Um, yeah, he gave a very um, affirming speech about the, the confidence of the European Union. So I, I will take that as my favorite example. This is an example of anti-cakeism, perhaps. Yes, I suppose. Yes. Okay. But well, he pointed out the, the cakeism in, yeah. in, the, in the approach. Well, yes, so you can look it up uh, on the European Parliament website. We actually already have a link ready to go. Yeah, ready to go for that. Yeah, we're going to come back to that one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last question is: um, Please give us your assessment. Um, one, it's not going to happen. Ten, it's definitely going to happen. What, is Brexit going to happen? Yeah. Well, can we go from zero to ten? Yeah. With ten as certain. Yeah. Yeah. I would say fifty-fifty. <laughs> yeah. Just just for fun, because I I'm really bad at. at predicting these things. I always call the wrong thing, <laughs> vote the wrong side in the referendum, well, the losing side in the referendum. Not so, the wrong side, the right yeah, side. The right side, yes, Just actually, the yeah, in, the, in the last three uh, UK re referendums, yeah, I've always picked the wrong side, so, yeah. Well, thank right. you very much. Thank yeah, you very thank much. for the questions. Okay, so we're on location of the EU tweet up uh, here in, uh, in Brussels, and we have with us Dave Keating, journalist with France 24 and Forbes. Fantastic. And we're going to ask the same three questions we're asking everyone tonight. Uh, and Chris is going to ask the first one. Dave, what's your favorite cake? I actually hate cake, <laughs> but I really like ice cream cake because it's not cake. Ah, cake that's not cake. Like Jaffa cakes, which are biscuits. Ooh, or not. Yes. Or not. Oh no, they are cakes. 
Yeah, but that was a European question, wasn't it? Whether they were qualified. Uh, that's very good. Gigs are not such a big thing here in Europe. I don't no. think. I've never seen. Them. I don't even know what you're talking about. So it's it's a big thing in the U.S. Like it's every it's, year it's, on the birthday, have an ice cream. It's like a pavlova, but with ice cream instead of cream. And, and it's like Alaska. it's not traditional Alaska, ice cream. Yeah. It's it's kind of like soft serve ice cream you would get at McDonald's made into a cake. Mm. We have like no, one store called Carvel, which only sells ice cream cakes see, and ice cream cake related accessories. You see, it's that kind of it's that kind of uh, inventiveness and can-do attitude that gives you, that gives you the comparative advantage in the world over there. You see, we we would never think of that. We're stuck with Dan Blanchard and shit like that. You know, very creative when it comes to cake <laughs> or avoiding cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, so the second question I'm asking everyone is, what is your favorite example of cakeism? Um, Brexit? <laughs> All of Brexit? All of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the very idea is cakeism. The very essence of Brexit is cakeism. Well, I think we'd agree, I think we'd agree with that. I, I, I agree with Dave. Yeah, that's actually the best answer we've had so far, yeah. I think, yeah. I think so. I think so. And the broadest. And the broadest, yeah. But also, but also in its own way, most precise as well. <laughs> so, um, and the final question is, uh, on a scale where 10 is absolutely certain and zero is it's never going to happen, uh, what do you think the chances of Brexit happening are? A hard Brexit or any Brexit? Any Brexit. Any actual Brexit, including Brexit and name only. And 10 is most likely. Yeah. Nine. Nine. Yeah. Oh, so we've got a big range. But I think it'll be a fake Brexit. I think the UK will join the EEA or some EEA, EFTA equivalent. And I think the chances of that are also nine. But so so that's, that's, that's what I think is the most likely outcome. So actually you're saying de jure, te, you're saying de jure nine, uh, in, uh, but de facto zero. Oh, de, de, de facto one. Yeah. Brexit three, uh, Norway type arrangement, nine. Yeah, right. Eight or nine. That's Bino. brilliant. Bino. Bino. Brexit and Namor. Brexit and Namor. That's fantastic. Thanks people will accept it. Thanks very much, Dave. That's really no cool. Problem. Thanks. Cool. So, some varying, varying views there. Yeah. Um, where, where do we start with all of that? I mean, I think... I think um, well, let, let's focus on the numbers out of 10 for whether or not Brexit's going to happen. So, we had a range. We had, uh, we had three from John. We had five from Jen, and we had nine from Dave. Uh, where, very, where you, specific, very specific nine, though. Yeah. Where do you stand, Steve? It's a weird, it's a weird one, because you, you think nine is certain. But that's 10% chance it won't happen. Um, and that's, that's not insignificant, you know? Yeah. So my, my stop Brexit meter kind of has varied from at uh, certain points five over the last 80 months has varied from 5% chance of it not happening way up to about certainly a third of mm. 40% and then but tends to settle at around 25% you know 4 to 1 mm. 25% yeah, you, so you you so you're you're a seven and a half then in terms of our rating system yeah, isn't it funny though the perception? Twenty five percent chance of it not happening, four to one chance. Mm. I think that's all right. You'd put a bet on a horse at four to one. You wouldn't think you were a mug for that, no? Mm. Um, and then when you put it at seventy five percent, it sounds it sounds yeah. like it's a dead cert. So yeah. it's very it's interesting the the different uh, you know how you perceive chance and uh, probability. Yeah. 
differently depending on how you uh, differently depending on how you actually put it. Um, but I've always considered, uh, and yeah, I've always considered that it's possible, yeah. and as long as it's possible, I think it's incumbent on people who care about it and who see how disastrous yeah. it happening will be that they try to do something about it. I, I mean, yeah, I'll stop. I, from my point of view, I've always said I'll stop trying to do something about it when it's absolutely certain. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, here, so, so here's where I stand on this. Um, and maybe I shouldn't be putting this in a pop, podcast that's going to be listened to by lots of people, we hope. Uh, because it's, lots, lots is a bit of a stretch <laughs> supposed, there. It's supposed to be my secret. But, I mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think it's going to happen. I do. I mean, I think it's going to happen. However, I also strongly feel that it is not inevitable that there is a possibility that it won't happen. And while that possibility exists, I think it is absolutely incumbent upon all of us to fight it every step of the way and never to admit defeat. And also, I mean, when we're talking about the probabilities, we affect the probabilities as well. Yeah. I mean, the the movement and the things people do in it and the campaigns and all this does has an effect on the probability. We're not just... uh, but let's talk outside let, observers who don't have a don't have a don't have an effect on it, you know. Um, so, and yeah, I mean, if you th- think back to how it was the day after, yeah, the day after it was certain. Well, no, no, no. really. Well, let's, it, let's, it, let's it talk felt, about it felt it to me. Let's talk about why we think it's going to happen or not. I mean, I the, I, the reason I think it's going to happen is because my experience. So you know, as a as a as a government worker, um, you get used to things building ahead of steam, building momentum, and becoming then very difficult to shift. You, you, yeah, pro- you get locked into over. a process, exactly. Yeah. And I think that I'm looking at it from the Brussels perspective. Um, I think that there is a political possibility that Brussels would accept um, a withdrawal of Article 50. I mean, that is clearly politically possible. But the processes are well underway in in Brussels oh, yeah. and the rest of the EU. And the, the the assumption and the acceptance is that the UK is leaving. That, that's oh, yeah. what well, everyone I mean, feels. I, yeah, I mean, I think, that's absu- I think that's absolutely true. I mean, that's that's absolutely the, the working assumption with, var- with varying degrees of regret yeah. and, and varying degrees of hope that hope that it might that it might it still might not happen as well but there's there's absolutely the working assumption that it's going to happen legally i mean the law the you know the law presumes that it'll happen yeah. article 50 presumes that it'll presumes that it'll happen um for me the 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 point is that so i i agree with all of that even though i think i'm more of an optimist i don't disagree with any of that at all i think the uh the point is that there are so many different ways it could not happen all of which in themselves, look vanishingly unlikely. Um, but there's a shotgun approach to it here, uh, in that there are lots of unlikely things that could happen, and when you aggregate all of the chances together of one of them happening, the chances look a, look a little bit, look quite a, quite a lot higher. Um, I mean, <clears throat> we didn't expect anything that's happened for the last two years to happen. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's not an argument for saying that the unexpected is going to keep happening. Um, no, but it's the, no, but it's it's an argument that the unexpected can happen. And well, we know that's that it can. Yeah, but then well, I mean, we're, we're well, no, debating no, no, as no. if we're probability scientists, which we're not. I mean, emphatically, no. But there's, I'm a not. there's a difference. There's a difference between can and vanishingly unlikely. I think, and I, I think 
it's beyond it's beyond vanishingly unlikely. But I think it's fair to say it's an, I think it's fair to say it's unlikely. You wouldn't bet your life on four to one, eh? You might well, but I mean, four, four, to, yeah, one, but four to one is a figure that's you know some of us have just simply plucked out of the air. I mean, I don't think that four to one is necessarily accurate. I mean, for me, and I think we're going to hear um, this point made by one of the other people that we talked to at the tweet up. Now, for me, the issue here is that if nobody does anything, ah, we'll yes. leave. Yeah, there's I mean, a legal the, inevitability to it because you know default. because Article yeah. Fifty was triggered. So well, Article Fifty having been triggered, it's a process. We're locked into it. Unless something happens, something unexpected happens, we're leaving. And I think the chances of something happening are pretty Next nice. year. I mean, we're talking about a year from now, a year and but a week from now. But I think the chances of something happening or something that needs to happen not happening are actually, uh, are actually, are actually pretty high in that. But it's not just that something unexpected has to happen. It has to be something very specific that interrupts the process. So it has to that, be a conscious and active sort of measure taken by someone to stop this thing which That's i think true, is right? just really hard to imagine i can't envisage it really well i think we should talk i think we should listen to we've got we've got a few more vox pops um all of which are very very interesting indeed and i think we should come back to that point after after listening to them because i think the the it's worth having a look at um about actually how it could how it could not happen i think it's worth worth looking at that because that's yeah. the that's the key question that has to be uh, that has to be answered if you're going to convince people that it can be stopped. And I think the the key task of Remain at the moment is to convince people, uh, not just that they want it to be stopped, but convince people that it can be stopped. So Yeah, I think, yeah, let's go for it. Thank you, that's fantastic. So uh, we're, we're still live. At the, uh, you, do I have to do this for each one, actually? No, I don't have to do this. I don't know why I'm doing it. I've got, I've got carried away in the moment. Uh, so now to answer the three questions we're asking everybody in the Brussels bubble, uh, we have... Nicholas White. And he's going to answer our three questions. Chris, our first question. Uh, Nicholas, what's your favourite cake? I have a fantastic recipe for a banana and chocolate chip cake, which which was given to me by a Colombian colleague who sadly left my employment and went to work for Combra Associates and has now moved to Copenhagen. But God bless you, Laura, if you're listening to this. Your chocolate chip and banana cake recipe has really saved my life on several occasions. We we don't want to indulge in any national stereotypes, but are you sure that those are the only ingredients? I mean, let's... Colombia is famous for many good ingredients, (laughs) but the best of those you cannot get in Brussels. So second question is, what is your favourite example of cakeism? I think the, the, it's, it's got to be the, the Irish border. I would say that coming from where I do. But um, you know, when the British government paper on Ireland was published back last summer, I, I thought the best comment on Twitter was, you know, the Brexit leprechaun is strong in this one. <laughs> But essentially it comes down to that there can, the, the government position is that there can be a customs border between the UK and the EU, but not between GB and Northern Ireland and not between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. And you cannot have all of these things simultaneously. So to me, that's the, the most egregious example of cakeism because it hits me in my homeland. I'm sure other people have different answers. It's cake and you know it. You'd be surprised, actually, most of the answers are exactly that. <laughs> Precisely Northern Ireland? Yeah. yeah that's yeah, really interesting. Really we've, we've had several of those already, yeah. That's really interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, good. absolutely. It's most I'm, obvious, isn't it? Yeah, but am I the only person from Northern Ireland you've interviewed? Or yes. have another? Oh, good Lord. Okay, I don't feel so special now. Oh, no, no. Um, I think the... Uh, I think 
yeah, yeah. I think the the, the, the eyes of every commentator is yeah. and, and thinker is, is, is on this. I mean, it's the front oh. line in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that people are sharing my homeland's pain. You must come and visit. The scenery is fantastic. The hooking's not, but nonetheless, it's enjoyable. Compared to English, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we still have another question, so um, we're not going to leave you just yet. So the, the final question is, a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most likely, give a number to how likely you think it is that we will end up with Brexit. I think it's at least nine, I'm sorry to say. I talked to, I'm going to drop a big name here. Ooh. I talked to Nick Clegg yesterday. And he thinks it's 20% that it won't happen. I think it's less than 10%. Um, It seems to me that the Theresa May speech last week indicates that she's clearing the decks towards an orderly result. Um, It's quite clear that the Commission and Barnier are determined to have an orderly exit strategy. Um, And when you look at what would need to happen on this side as well as on the British side for Brexit to be reversed, I think it's pretty unlikely. And I think, exactly, I I think... I think nine is being generous to the Remain side. Oh. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, really, no. really, really sorry. No, we've had, we've had a very, again, tonight, we've had a very, very wide, a very surprisingly wide range on that as well. Anyone below five? Yes. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. I must go and um, get them to buy me a drink. <laughs> Although it's a free bar. Buy you a bridge. <laughs> but that would, that would probably also be possible, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for talking. No problem, sir. No problem, Chris. Thank you. Okay, so we're back with uh, Cake Watch Live. Chris has... uh Chris is pissed off for dinner because he's lightweight and left me to carry the can as usual. Um, and we have our next, uh, our next guest, guest, victim. Uh, so uh, who do we have? Jack Shikha. And we're going to ask Jack the same three questions we were asking everyone tonight. The first one being, what is your favourite cake? Uh, chocolate cake. A- any, any particular, just any chocolate cake. Well, the sort of chocolatey Bruce, Bruce Bogtrotter style chocolate cake. Mm, nice. And the second question: What is your uh, favourite example of cakeism? I guess campaigning, running on a slogan of "Let's take back control of our borders," and then denying that you need to have any controls on your only border. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that. That is. That's quite cakeist, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, finally, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is never going to happen and 10 is absolutely certain, what do you think the chances are of Brexit happening? Uh, 8. 8. Uh, it will happen by automatic operation of law. You've been, you've been reading David Allen Green. I, uh, <laughs> I have, but it's also it's true. It's also true, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I did borrow that phrase from him, but, uh, you know, it will happen by default. So, and uh, that would take a lot of political manoeuvring for it not to happen. So possible, possible but very unlikely. Very unlikely for it to be stopped. Uh, well, 20%. Well, it's not that unlikely. 20, actually, 8 out of 10 means a 20% chance of it being stopped. Uh, which I'd take at this stage. I mean, political punditry is a mugs game, so, you know, I wouldn't have predicted what the world <laughs> looks like now five years ago. So, you know, who knows? But that's, that's why it's I think that I think that's an absolute lesson for us all, actually, that everybody should remember in their predictions, Jack. Thank you very, very much for talking to us. Thanks no a worries. Lot. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, so we're still on Cake Watch Live, Spring Watch Live, without the squirrels. <laughs> Okay, let's try that again. So we're still here on Cake Watch Live, Crime Watch Live, with more criminals. And we have with us... So my name's Mark Johnston. I've lived and worked in Brussels for 15 years. I work on the um, 
energy policy, the energy market, and uh, the environmental controls that are linked to that. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us. So we're going to ask you the same three questions we ask everybody. Uh, firstly, what is your favourite cake? Uh, if we're talking about Brexit, it has to be trifle because it's sloppy and it's messy. Uh, and that's what, uh, especially if you're stuck on the island over there, that's what uh, the Brits have got to live with for the next wee while. And it has a spongy base. <laughs> it's, it, it's sloppy and it's messy. I'll stick with that. <laughs> and uh, the same question we ask everyone is, what is your favourite example of cakeism? I, what I've enjoyed in the last few weeks is, uh, is the word cakeism in Parliament. Uh, first in the House of Lords uh, and now this week in the House of Commons too. Um, so uh, uh, I, I think in the Lords it was used in its true sense where the speaker at that time knew what she was talking about it was Sarah, Sarah Ludford we should say was the speaker yeah, exactly Lord, uh, not, that, not that I look not, not that I constantly search Hansard with the, with the keyword search for cakeism or anything but uh, <laughs> no, nor me too <laughs> or at least not in the daytime uh, but it, and in the comments this week by uh, one of the Tory backbenchers who I think for now will remain nameless but um Frankly speaking, and, and brainless. Frankly speaking, hasn't got a fecking clue what he is talking about. No. That's fantastic. Yes, I think they're very good examples, and and also thank you. <laughs> um, and the last question we ask everybody is: on a scale of uh, one to ten, where ten is certain and one is never going to happen, what are the chances of Brexit happening? I, I'd say one. I, I think uh, the chances of it failing are somewhere between eighty and ninety percent. Um, you know, things are moving faster now than they have done in any time in the last two years. Um, there's a, a lot of learning and a lot of catch-up um, in the British political and media class. And, um, I, 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 you know, depending on how things play out, I suspect we're heading for a crisis sometime in the second half of this year. Uh, and after that, who knows what will happen. Yeah. No, no, I think, I think, yeah, the lesson from the last two years is that you should expect things to happen rather than things not to happen. Yeah, l last year I would say to people the Brexit story changes every three hours. Uh, I think we've now moved to a, a situation where it changes every hour. Right, so Steve, so one question um, comes to mind more, more than any other after listening to that, and w which was, mm -hmm. how pissed were you? <laughs> Look, I, I have an 18-month-old child, and I don't go out as much as I used to. So when I get the chance, um, I like to make the most of it. And that, combined with the fact that my toleration of alcohol is considerably lower than it used to be, results in slightly giggly performances. <laughs> I would say that I was well-refreshed by that point. Not fully refreshed, but, but, but well-refreshed. So we got a huge, a, a, a extremely wide range. Yeah, Again, one, one, I mean, to got one, and yeah. one to nine. One to nine there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the important thing for me was Mark's point at the end. I mean, even if Mark's being optimistic, there, like we said before, there's so many possibilities. And actually, while we were listening to them, I wrote down, you know, a quick list of possibilities and things that can change and things that can, uh, things, things that can, things that can happen. There can be an election. The government can fall. The government has an extremely small majority. We know that there isn't an easy solution, if there's a solution at all. Well, I think there's no solution for uh, the issue of the Irish border that doesn't involve being in the single market and customs union or having a, a border in the sea. Withdrawal bill could fail to get through. It's getting absolutely hammered in the Lords at the moment. 
uh, I mean, it would be incredibly, it would be incredible folly to continue with Brexit without the withdrawal bill in place. I mean, there'd be a gigantic legal legal vacuum. This could be absolutely catastrophic domestically. Um, the devolved administrations are not going to give, at the moment, legislative consent to it uh, due to the power grab of, uh, of powers coming back from the EU, which should be devolved according to the, the De- uh, Devolution Acts. Mm. But, our attempt, but the governments have tried, attempted to, to keep them. Uh, there could be uh, um, an amendment to the Ratification Act. Mm. That's the act agreeing to the, uh, to the exit treaty. Uh, which MPs could decide to have a to amend that to, to require a referendum. There are numerous legal challenges still in play. I mean, we saw Best for Britain last week launch uh, a big case, got very good crowdfunding for it, mm. hit their target in 24 hours, I think, actually, or very, or very close to 24 hours. And their case is that the, uh, the 2011 Act, which has a referendum lock on any extension of uh, EU powers, is actually triggered by... Mm. would be triggered by the withdrawal agreement because it extends powers without voting in council. Mm. Um, so there's a chance about that. There's a chance that public opinion overwhelmingly moves. It's moving, but it's moving too slowly. But this can accelerate. And I mean, <clears throat> we've now been seeing this week uh, Liam Fox talking about EU sanctions, <laughs> uh, EU trade sanctions, and Prime talking about EU, <laughs> uh, EU sanctions on, on Russia, just what we talked mm. about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And people are realising, uh, and, and we've got leave Tory MPs talking about the importance of the EU yeah. sanctions. I mean, yeah. this is already unprecedented from where we where we were two weeks ago. So you know, events happen, uh, and they can overtake the processes. Listeners, my Chris is looking really pessimistic. You can't see Chris, but Chris my is looking head is in my really hand. pessimistic. No, it's not just that. I'm just I'm looking really pissed off at these fucking lunatics who brought us to this place, now all of a sudden they're like, oh, EU sanctions. Brilliant. Oh, we didn't think about it. Oh, yeah, and oh, yeah, EU solidarity. And oh, yeah, you know, oh, the Russians are out to get us. And oh, Trump doesn't give a, a shit for us. And oh. It's really incredible, isn't it? It's really, it really is amazing. It gives me a to headache. To the Volta fast. And, and, and to, not, uh, to not have the slightest appreciation for the kind of, rank hypocrisy involved in doing this, you know, is just, uh, is just incredible. Um, and I think, yeah, I think there's, there's the chance of all these things happening. I think, uh, as I said, public opinion is moving. There are very, very strong campaigns underway for, you know, this isn't, the Remain movement isn't just Facebook groups and Twitter anymore, you know. Mm. There's uh, Open Britain and the others have formed this coordination hub, uh, but let's yeah, cut cut to the chase. I mean, you, everything that you're saying, Steve, is 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 important and valid, and um, actually, it's good that you're saying it. Um, but <laughs> you don't think any of it will happen? No, I do. I, th- I think all of this is true, and I think we are heading to a crisis, and I think we're in a terrible constitutional mess. But none of it avails a jot if we hit March the 29th next year and we haven't withdrawn Article 50. We will leave the EU unless there's an extension. Again, as I say, unless somebody actually yes, pulls their finger out and says, we, please, please may we have an extension. And the extension means staying in. It doesn't yeah. mean transition. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. means yeah, fucking staying in fully. Yeah. And what does that I mean? Do, you know, 
does the EU even want that? I mean, what does that then mean for the European elections in 2019? What does that mean for the next budget and all these well, things? I mean, well, what my, a mess. Well, I mean, my, my, well, my view about that is that there's no way, I, in my view and from talking to people, there's no way that the EU would kick out a member who was still in the process of deciding whether to accept the agreement or not. So I think if democratic processes had been triggered by that point, i.e. a referendum or uh, 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 waiting for a vote in Parliament, um, I think an extension would be would be relatively easy to get. Well, I think I think, I think an extension because they'd fucked up the negotiations is impossible. I think that, that'll that'll mm-hmm. just never happen mm-hmm. because otherwise there would be no incentive to hurry well, up. That's with, where we are, though, isn't it? With yeah, that's where we are. I mean, that's why it's going to happen. It's because well, of the yeah, fucked but you up have a negotiation. Rep- but if they fucked up the negotiation, and you've got this incredibly weak deal uh, being taken to the uh, to the Commons in October or November, the chances of it being rejected are much greater. The chances of them rejecting it, the chances yeah. of the DUP abstaining. I mean, if right, the DUP it, abstained, I mean, they'd re- be in deep trouble. Well, but you know, well, what does rejection by the Commons entail? I mean, to me, that entails then a hard Brexit. It doesn't entail. Right. Well, let's go back and do it all over again. Or you know, why should Brussels accept that? I mean, I, I think that it, a, a rejection because they said they will. But this is because they said they will. Tusk, Macron, all the others have said that this can be that this can be changed at any moment. If the UK comes and says we're sorry, we made a mistake, we want you know. Oh yes, absolutely. Not just but, like oh, we're sorry, we need more time to get to deliver this Brexit. No, but if MPs if MPs amend the uh, the. Uh, the legislative motion on the treaty to say that there has to be a referendum on it. Right. Well, that's a big if. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's what we've got to work towards. We're yeah. talking, oh. but, but, Matt, but we're we, it's a big if. Of, co- of course, it's a huge if, but it's entirely possible. And also, it doesn't require that many MPs to change. It requires the leader. It requires the leader and the deputy leader of the Labour Party to change yeah. to change their mind. Yeah. And then it requires something that you know. A, only a few more MPs. It doesn't require a lot. You know, if we're trying to overturn a majority of seventy here, you'd be no. Right, but you, be what, you, I mean, you, you've, you've put your finger on 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 it. It needs the Labour Party to change, and they have. You know, they may they may be shifting, but Corbyn has been pretty emphatic about no second referendum. He was pretty emphatic about the customs union as well, and he's pretty emphatic about the. The single market, but the, when he describes what he actually wants, bearing in mind he won't get most of the most, of, he won't get any changes and conditions and and so on that he talks about. Uh, if you take all of those away, what he's actually talking about is the, what he's actually talking about is the is the is the single market because we know that as we discussed last week, was it last week? He's not going to reform its entire legal order mm. to suit uh, uh, to suit the UK. Mm. They've tried that and it didn't work. So. Yeah. But I think that the the big thing in favour is the onset of reality mm. and the realisation by normal people, not by fanatics on, you know, not by fanatics on either side, the realisation by normal people that they've been sold wrong in here, that they were lied to, that, that, that it's so clearly damaging. And I mean, I think that's what we're seeing with, with Russia, for example, here. I mean, it's <clears throat> undeniable. That this this puts us in a worse position, yeah. and people are people really are seeing this, and newspapers are well, newspapers are, are saying this, and, and people are, yeah, I think they are on I think they are on Russia. I, I, I've seen lots of traffic on on this on Russia, I and I think know. people are yeah. I think people are, there's a, there's a a good chance that 
So this group in the middle, this 20% of soft remainers who think it's inevitable and soft leavers who, uh, who, who thought they were getting something totally different, thought they were getting something smooth and simple that wouldn't make a material difference to their lives, uh, realise that that's not the case, realise that there's, there is a huge material change going to be made to theirs and, and other people's lives and that this isn't what they voted for and that this, this isn't what they wanted. But this is where the, this is where the leave narrative blaming the EU and calling the EU, uh, blaming the EU for punishment comes into play. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I've spoken to a lot of um, people uh, back in the UK and and I I granted they're almost all Remainers uh, because I don't know any Leavers. But but everybody I speak to says, oh, second referendum would be a dreadful idea. It'd be worse. The result would be even worse next time around because everybody now sees the EU as the enemy and they've bought into the whole uh, polarised... But actually the polling, the polling doesn't show that. The polling shows that Leave and Remain are roughly reversed. It's roughly 52-48 in favour mm. of Remain now. Roughly. And a little bit... And polls vary between a little bit less... Between that and a little bit less than that. But very roughly it's, it's reversed, which you could argue isn't enough. I don't personally right. see why 52... Well, if you think 52 was enough the first... Well, on the initial the, question, I don't understand why 52 wouldn't be on the second question. Oh, wait, uh, well, of course I that's agree with you, question. but let's let's not forget that the polls also said it was going to be at least 52 well, yeah, 48 before the, for us. Absolutely, but the polls show uh, an overwhelming majority want a final say on the deal. Yeah, um, and that's a different question. I mean, mm. and and I think there are actually lots of levers who want a final say on the deal because they think they'll win it, or yeah. because they think the deal's not hard enough. Yeah. The deal won't be hard enough, and the the, the mail capitulate. Mm. And they would rather have a WTO no deal, no deal exit. And that's what they think they'd, they'd get from it. In short, this is an absolute massive clusterfuck, isn't it? <laughs> of course it's a massive clusterfuck. The whole thing is a massive clusterfuck. But no, and I think, that, I, think, I think people are moving. Think about September last year. Anybody who said, have I said this before? Anybody, I might have said this before in previous episodes. Anybody who thought the Brexit could be stopped was seen as just a crank. You know, they were on the absolute, absolute fringes um, of, of, of public discussion. And I'm talking about me here. Uh, Swivel, and, swivel-eyed loons. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And whereas now the idea of a second referendum or the idea of it, uh, or the idea of it being stopped is entirely, entirely normal. Lots of people don't think it's very likely, but it's things that people talk about. And Thanks it's, to it's, Nigel it's in the range of, it's in the Yeah, it's in the range of, it's in the range of possibilities. But I think mm. that... Um, and I think there's a backlash coming against the people who the people who lied as well as people as play, as as companies do move as people do lose their jobs as and also the the impossibility of whole, of 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 maintaining the pretense that it's going well you just can't maintain that present, pretense and we're already seeing a cracking I mean it came out the other day that David Davis hasn't been to Brussels yet this yeah. year I know you know um, so even. So that's not even on the deal. That's on the handling of it. That's on the yeah. government handling of it. People are disgusted, and but I, yeah, and the and the polls on the government handling of it are are atrocious as well. You know, mm. are mm. really atrocious for the government. Um, but um, Alan Smith, I, I have to say, I shouldn't act as I don't want to be seen as acting as a shill for my boss Alan. But he made an absolutely amazing speech in the um, an absolutely amazing speech in the. Uh, European Parliament. He did, he uh, really did, actually. And I'm not his shill, but I, I thought it was a different <laughs> speech. But in this debate, I'd address my remarks to people outside of this chamber. 
The people in England, the people in the United Kingdom, I say as a friend of both who voted Leave. I get it. Your anger is justified. Your anger is real. But I assure you, your fight is not with the European Union. You were told you believed the promises. You were told by serious people like David Davis that there was no downside and a considerable upside to voting Leave. Well, I tell you, dear friends, this is what the future looks like. And it's pretty bloody bleak. A diminished UK, a diminished Europe, a poorer citizenry, a poorer society, a poorer economy. Nobody voted to make themselves poorer. There are no unicorns, there are no windmills for every voter, there is no £350 million for the NHS. They lied to you. You were right. You were right, you were genuine to take those promises at face value. But as we get to the end point of this process, we see what the reality is. There is no shame in changing your mind. There is still time to change course. Thank you. This is the key point for me, is that people, people voted in good faith. The, what they've been told by the people that they happened to find more plausible was true. Yeah. And <clears throat> almost all of it has turned out not to be true. I mean, somebody posted on Twitter the other day um, uh, uh, a Leave.eu video from before the referendum, yeah. which was sort of show, <laughs> showing how yeah. wonderful the world would be after it. Yeah. You, you literally every single thing in it mm. can now be shown to be absolutely, absolutely mm. untrue, absolutely a, absolutely a lie. Mm. Um, and although I think people are entrenched in their views, I also don't think they're, I don't think they're stupid. Mm. Um, and I think the privacy of a pollster or a uh, voting booth is very different to uh, what they say in the pub and at work, you know? Well, well, um, Steve, you know, I, I hope you're right. I do hope you're right. Um, what I want to know is, is that official SNP policy that David Davis is a serious person? Because <laughs> I've, got, I've got an issue with that. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> we might have to have a, have a chat about that, actually. I think about it. Listen, what we haven't done is we haven't talked about the other bit of the Vox Pop, which is the um, favourite bits of cakeism. So yeah. very briefly, the thing that kept popping up there was Northern Ireland. I just want to flag that. We've talked about Northern Ireland before, and we probably don't need to talk about it at length here. But, you know, it is the most shocking example of cakeism. <laughs> it really is. and I think, the, But I think the thing to take away from it is that the government's not fooling anyone on this. No, no. That's not, the thing to take away. Not at all. That it was so, it was so many people's first, yeah. first thought. And when you talk to people about Brexit yeah. at the moment in Brussels, it's the oh, first thing they say, it's, you know. It's, 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 it's <clears> so <throat> specious. I mean, it's clearly a pile of old horseshit, isn't it? And what's happened here is that there was a bluff and the uh, yeah. U27 went along with the bluff for the sake of the negotiations. Knowing it was a bluff. And to give May some political space, yeah. make sure she yeah. didn't fall and yeah. have to start from scratch again. Yeah. And... Uh, Firstly, that was thrown back right back in their face days later yeah. um, on the on the phase one agreement by people trying to roll back from it or, or get out of parts of it. And then it's been thrown back in their face again by this mock outrage at them writing a text about yeah. uh, exactly what was agreed. But what's happened is the U27's called the bluff. They've said, yeah. OK, we let you get away with the bluff because you said there were solutions coming and you were going to sort out the politics of it. Yeah. And you haven't brought proposals and you haven't sorted out the politics of it. Yeah. And we're going to need it written down in a treaty yes. pretty soon. <laughs> so, Well, Steve, this is where I um, referenced 
the, the great piece that you had in Prospect, uh, was it this week? Yeah, it was just today, actually. Yeah, it was terrific. A very good piece, um, which oh, thank you. Um, is, is, is obviously a theme very close to both of us. We've both written about, uh, about it before um, on our own sort of personal blogs. Um, the piece, which we'll link to, um, argues that um, the, 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 the Prime Minister, Theresa May, has made a massive error in sacrificing so much goodwill um, in this negotiation trust. and trust, and, trust. Yeah. and that that by doing so she has landed herself in a terrible mess, and we're seeing this over the Northern Ireland issue. Whereas you know, even as late as December, there was this willingness to go along with a bluff to give us some space. I think patience is absolutely exhausted, and um, you know, Ireland's interests as an EU member state come first, and yeah. you know, no more of this shit. You know, let, Shows your money. Exactly, exactly. And I made the point in the article that the mistake has been seeing it as a poker game. All yes, along. again, again ha- we've said this so many times, haven't we? Where you, where you hide and you use subterfuge and you try to throw them off the scent. Yes. You don't negotiate like that. That's you exactly. tell them what you want and you, try, and you try and make them give it to you. Yeah. I mean, they, ca- they can't give you what you want if you don't tell them what exactly. you want. Exactly. It's completely false to try and understand a negotiation in terms of some kind of winner-takes-all... Um, Zero sum game. That's just not how negotiations work. Not if it's you not want to say do nobody s- ever pulls a fast one. People do sometimes pull fast ones, and people sometimes uh, slip stuff into the annexes, hoping you won't notice, and things like that. But basically, uh, you've got to say what you want. As, As we've you- always said, if, if in a negotiating context, um, this, the, the, the the starting point is that you both try and help each other out to get what you each want. And when you sort of when you then come down to the few issues on which you're not going to be able exactly. to do things, then, then okay, then you're in a position of trust where you can say, okay, well, look, if I'll give you this, if you give me that, and okay. But what happens is where trust breaks down, where you move into a zero-sum game, where you move into this conflictual process... Well, when people um, agree to things, people you don't believe that they really have. What happens then is that, yeah, you can have that kind of dog-eat-dog, um, winner-takes-all scenario. But in those, in those scenarios... The bigger player always wins. It's a chihuahua and a great Dane. I right. mean, and and we all know who the bigger player here is. Yeah, the chihuahua is ill-advised to go that route. I mean, it is very ill-advised to um, start snapping at the great Dane's kneecaps. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. thought you were going to say nuts though, which would be more ill-advised. But no, no, it really and, and, can't reach the great Dane's nuts. But I mean, time is now so tight. We have six months plus a month plus. I mean, maybe plus a month if absolutely necessary. Um. To actually get this agreement finalised, ready to be agreed by by the UK and by and by the European Parliament, and and that's just such a short amount of time. People don't realise how short nothing, amount of time this is. Nothing. I mean, there's I, like time for three or four negotiating. I mean, tops. <laughs> yeah. three, or three or four rounds in a normal negotiation. Tops. Listen, should we? Should we? Should we? Um, should we live move to live the week? I don't believe you. Liar. Look, what have I got? I've got um, no Javier Candera. This is a this is yeah, this is great. Javier Candera has uh, sort of sent this one to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the snigger. I, I'm sniggering here. 
Boris Johnson clashes with Emmanuel Macron over Brexit. Foreign Secretary hits back at French President's invitation to Indian students. He boasts of the numbers coming to the UK. So a fellow called Leonardo Carella, who's posting from Oxford, says, Europeans are stealing our immigrants. It's the most Brexity complaint ever. <laughs> Well, That's basically were, what he's we, doing, isn't it? We do hate them, but they're ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you, don't you steal our immigrants. Um, um, next. Now, you, had, you found another one, which yeah. um, I think we both retweeted, and it's yeah. uh, a very good one. Uh, you want to read the final one? Yeah, you go for it. Yeah, right. Um, Seb Dance, um, uh, one of our very, very favourite um, MEPs. Very much so. Um, who um, is famous for being the guy who held up the sign next to Nigel Farage saying, he's lying to you. So um, Seb um, w- is, was in Parliament doing his job, unlike certain other MEPs. Um, but anyway, um, UKIP MEPs were in Parliament, uh, amazingly. Uh, but they were doing their usual wrecking thing. And um, Seb quotes, uh, UKIP MEPs, including Farage, shout, we don't need you, we'll get a deal with the US in 48 hours. Forty-eight fucking hours. This is this is the day that um, Trump sacked Tillerson after he said that he supported Britain's suspicions on Russian involvement in Salisbury. I mean, you know, we'll get a deal with the and you, you know, you can get a deal with Trump's America in forty-eight hours, but it's not going to be a deal that you like. Yeah, they can email it to you, and you can sign it and send yeah. it back. Yeah, That's how exactly. you get a deal with yeah. Trump in forty-eight hours. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so Seb asks, who are our real friends? Yeah. And I have to say, actually, the response on Russia from the EU has been, uh, has been one of solidarity. Yeah? Well, of course, of course. I mean, you know, the, e- the UK, A, the UK is still a member state, and B, the EU knows perfectly well that what, um, what Russia is doing represents a serious threat to all of us and to our values. Um, and it, we've known that for a while. Isn't it? An interesting occurred to me through all this that, um, you know how all ugh, declarations and regulations and so on in the in in the EU always have always have a section on solidarity. You know, because it's in the treaties, they always mm. have a reference to, to to solidarity in it. Mm-hmm. And actually, it would be the you know it would be the subject of discussions about how to how to put the solidarity and what the solidar- precisely the solidarity was about and what the, what emphasis they wanted placed on it and and so on. Because it was to others in the EU, this was a really this was a centrally important thing. You know, and for me, this is when I went and got. Got coffee and have a fa- had a fag because there were no instructions on it, you know. Yeah. And and now we're seeing, now we're seeing what solidarity really means. Now we're seeing the importance of those clauses that they're not just, uh, well, yeah, they're not, y- just yeah. they're not just there for show. They're not just there to for for idealism. They're there practically. The solidarity will be shown in times of in yeah. in, in in times of crises. Well, Steve, yet again um, on this podcast, we're going to be talking about language and and the significance of yes. words and and. and the, the thing about the word solidarity is that um, my, my sense is that in British politics, it has red overtones. It, it's yeah, associated yeah, with the union movement. Um, whereas in, in, in other parts of Europe, that's, that's not, it, it has a much deeper um, historical significance. And of well, course, I think, I think let's Le- not forget what, what yeah. it means in Poland. Well, I was going to say, I think of Lech Valenza when... Yeah, um, yeah I mean, our, our generation, yeah, 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 do, but... Um, you know, anyway, that's just an aside. Yeah, um, All right, look, should we, should we do... Have we got time for Ask Cake Watch? Let's do a couple quickly. Okay, Nick Ransom asks, immigration's at the core of the Brexit debate, 
albeit ideology rather than evidence-driven. But I'd like to know the reasons that successive UK governments chose not to implement controls allowed under EU law. And That's he, puts, question, he puts in brackets, without explanation, it looks like a capitalist far-right conspiracy. Well, it is a very good question. Now, I, we've said before, we're not conspiracy theorists um, as a rule. Uh, most civil servants aren't because we all know that the cock-up is more likely and more realistic than the conspiracy. Way more likely. And on this, I, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. So um, very simply, and we've had an interesting debate about this actually this week, um, it comes down to ID cards. The Blair government, if my memory serves, um, tried to introduce ID cards, didn't it? Um, mm. yep. And there was a strong resistance to it in the UK. Um, people didn't. People don't like the idea of, of ID cards. And I mean, I get why. I mean, I get that it doesn't fit with our culture, and, and people don't like the thought that they have to. You know, it's always associated with notions of police state and produce yeah, your yeah. papers, please, and this kind of thing. But the reality is that in 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 other countries uh, of the EU, countries like Belgium, which we know very well, um, mm-hmm. and other countries too, um, the way in which the um, the exceptions to freedom of movement or, or the way in which freedom of movement is managed because it is managed mm-hmm. is because the authorities know where people are. They can keep a track on people arriving and people leaving and uh, people working and people not working and people claiming benefits and so on because they have this sort of paper trail. Yeah. Now the paper trail of course is, is, is the problem uh, for, for, for liberals and libertarians. Um, and I get that. I get that. But that's 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 the difference. That's I think you're right to put yeah. it to ID cards because it's just unimplementable. But, yeah, what, we're point. Up, but yeah. what we're going to end up with now is that EU citizens are effectively going to have ID cards, but nobody else is. Well, that's that's unacceptable, and, isn't it? You can't which have is totally unacceptable. That's, that's what isn't acceptable. I'm not. I'm. I've I've changed my views on ID cards a lot over the years, and I used mm. to be um, from a liberty point of view um, against them. Uh, then I moved to Belgium, saw that it was sort of largely largely fine and actually makes life a lot more convenient in lots mm. of ways. And then now, in fact, I think since um, since Theresa May became Home Secretary, I've been vehemently against them again. Yeah, I've kind of got the, the re- exactly. For the, reason that, yeah. for the reason that I think there's, there's uh, untold unpleasant mischief yes. that uh, uh, a government can make yeah. w- with modern technological, you know, smart cards uh, if... Uh, and we're seeing we're seeing a we're seeing a bit of it with people being unwilling to you're seeing a bit of what could be to come on this with people being unwilling to go and get medical treatment in case their immigration status is checked. Exactly. You know? And people are people are people are dying because literally dying because they're too scared to go to a to to a to a hospital because of that now. Yeah, and which is awful, effort. isn't it? It's awful. And I think so once once you put it in that if that you know, if 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 a policeman or a, a public authority uh Asks for your ask for your ID card. It goes through a check on absolutely yeah. everything. Uh, yeah. Then which yeah, it's I, very creepy, isn't it? So very, very I, I've definitely. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I've I've travelled in the opposite direction. I mean, I've I've been somebody who you know because I always had an ID card um, from, from from my German um, ah, side, course, yeah, yeah. and yeah. so I always found it quite a useful thing to have. And you could sort of flourish it instead of a passport. And I mean, I, I once turned up at Heathrow Airport for a, a, a business trip with uh, with a very senior. Uh, uh, civil servant um, in, very early on in my career and it was my first trip overseas as bag carrier mm. to this very important guy and I got there and I realised I forgot my flipping passport and I, I wanted the ground to swallow me up until I realised oh hang on a second I've got my German ID card that'll, right. that'll do 
So I always thought, no, there's no problem with it. But actually, over the years, um, I've I've come to say, hang on, mm, I'm not so sure. I think I think that they're, I'm not so comfortable with the idea of <laughs> the government being able to track me everywhere I go. But yeah. it, look, anyway, look to cut to the chase. The short answer to <laughs> we've given an extremely Which long product I, answer. Actually, actually, because we're way over time. For if you could do a whole short answer, and then I'll just cut that in. That would be ideal. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Nick. The short answer is ID cards. That's the yeah. reason. I'd never thought I'd never thought of that, Chris. Actually, that was really, uh, yeah, that was really really interesting take, and it makes absolute sense. And I I'd never thought of that at all. So, so thank you, thank you for the question. Also, thank you for your question, your your answer, Chris, as well, because it enlightened me. Uh, right, so your turn. Next question. Next question we've got um, is from James Newman, uh, and he says hashtag AskCakeWatch is May secretly a remainer? Putting Brexiteers in charge to make them look like idiots, could you have done anything worse in the past 18 months with regard to Brexit talks? <laughs> <laughs> well, the short answer to that, short answer to that is uh, that I don't think she could have done anything worse. But every time I think that, she does something worse. <laughs> so uh, so, it's a, moving ta- so it's, a, it's a moving target. I can't remember who it was. But I, saw, I, I, I read a discussion about this once and somebody said that they didn't think it was true um that it, it was extremely unlikely that it was true but that if it were things wouldn't look any different if it, if it were true this is how you this is how you would have done it uh rendering it sort of irre- sort of irrelevant whether it's been done deliberately to scupper it or um by being absolutely dreadful at doing this um, which I think would be my answer. I'm not sure May's secretly a remainer. I think May's, May's secretly uh, whatever. Well, she's not even secretly a remainer. I mean, she, she, she's, she's fairly open about, well, um, she, won't, she won't answer when she's asked outright, are you, do, you, do you think we should leave the EU? She says the people have spoken and she, she just yeah, doesn't absolutely. answer the question. Clearly she, clearly she is a remainer. But she's not, she's not a very, she's not well, very good remainer. She's a pretty crap one, isn't she? Let's she's not a very good remainer at all. Yeah, I mean. I th- what I do think about May... Is that what we maybe what we see is something that senior politicians often seem to descend into, which is a sort of politics of legacy, you know? And I, it seem it feels to me like she 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 set off on this journey to 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 go down in history as the prime minister that delivered Brexit, you know? And I think by the end of it, I think even by now, she must realise that that's not necessarily what you want to be remembered for. Pretty shit legacy. <laughs> Because it's going to be, it's a, it's a legacy of, it's going to be a legacy of, 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 of ruining, ruining think the country. Of other, in think of ways, other, you know? can think of other, other leaders who also have legacies that it shouldn't be particularly proud of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, is, is that a good enough answer? <laughs> but put it, I, I do think there's this, because it's almost assumed now that you put Brexiteers in charge to make them look like idiots, um, or to make them carry the, carry the can for it. Well, the latter, may, I, the latter maybe, but not the not the former. I mean, but I think that the oh come on, I think giving Liam not Fox carry the job. Can, I think a, giving Liam Fox a job as a minister is is essentially saying you go and make an idiot of yourself. Though I mean, come on. Well, I mean, she gave him a non-job. She she basically gave him you know the the, the toy steering wheel that that Maggie That's... Simpson drives in the car. <laughs> That's exactly what she did. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Uh, 
Have right. we got time for another? I think we should probably wrap up, shouldn't we? I think, yeah, no, I think we, I think we, I think we, think we need to, to, to wrap it up a bit. Thanks to everyone who wrote in with questions. And I think what we should do is, because we get so many questions, I think we should do an episode of Cake Watch solely devoted to Ask Cake Watch. Um, either as a, a full episode or, or as a little interim episode at some point. Because we, we, we're not, uh, we have a repository of all of the questions that have been sent in and uh, do we? the ones we want to, to do. And I, oh, I thought you did. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were thinking that, but I'm sure it can be done. So we've deleted all of the questions. No, <laughs> um, I'm sure we have access through the internet. So, um, You're giving me uh, homework, Steve, is what you're doing. I am, I am. Um, so Chris, is, Chris has volunteered <laughs> to compile all of the questions that we've had, we've had so far. And at some point we'll go through them all and, 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 and try and get to all the, all the ones that we like. Oh, God, this sounds um, So we're not ignoring you just because it doesn't appear on the, on the next one, is what I'm saying. Keep, keep listening. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Excellent. And I'll just leave you with the thought that Brexit can be stopped. It must be stopped. It must be stopped. All right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Chris. Cheers. See you, Steve. Bye.